Welcome to a brand new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with Brooklyn-based jazz vocalist and composer Sarah McDonald. She was born in Virginia, but was a military brat and never stayed anywhere for very long. So she was all over the map. She has a unique jazz wall of sound and has a new EP coming out in the fall of 2016. She graduated from the New School for Jazz and Contemporary Music with a degree in vocal jazz and was a winner of the Herb Alpert Young Jazz Composer Award. She has big plans and is another great element of today's modern music and the jazz realm. So get to know Sarah and dig this interview, my friends. Thanks for taking some time out to talk about this new EP, and uh, I really dig Surface Tension, so I'm excited to talk to you about it. Oh, thank you. That's great. So let me go ahead and start off here and kind of get an idea, kind of a snapshot. I know you got the new album coming out in the fall of 2016, but give me an idea of activity that's going on musically in your world. Well, currently I'm just performing around New York City a lot, and I write and arrange all the music for... The New York Philharmonic, which is a 22-piece like progressive rock big band. I'm going on tour to uh, Germany and Austria um, starting on September 11th for a full month. And then, yeah, that's pretty much all I have looking forward to right now. I mean, that's still a big task with the Philharmonic. How did you land this gig, and what is it like to be involved with such a big outfit? Well, I just started writing this music a couple years ago, kind of just for fun. And then I put a band together for what I thought would be like a one-time thing. And everybody was, like, into it, so we just kind of kept doing it, and I kept writing, and um, it's been going on now for about two years. So I've been hired out by, like, other bands, and like, other big bands overseas and uh, for festivals because they've heard my music, and so they, like, give me a big band, and then I just bring the music and myself and then tour with them a little bit. And then, yeah, I can't really, like, obviously afford to bring over my whole band to another country. <laughs> so sure. I use I use different musicians along the way, and then I tour, like, on the East Coast with my own group. Right on. Well, let me dive right into the, the newest thing that's on your radar, which is the CP coming out in the fall. Talk to me about this EP. What's the name of it? When's it going to be released? And how do you feel about it? I feel pretty good about it. Um, it sort of has been like slowly released over like a long period of time. <laughs> um, <laughs> like I, I put a couple songs out in uh, in Germany like a, like a year ago actually, and uh, had like a very small like part of the actual album um, because I was like playing a really large festival. And then I, you know, like kind of released it to my friends in March. And then now this is going to be like the, the official release um, in the fall. My bigger question is this. From what I heard on Surface Tension, which is I, I love this kind of new new wave that jazz has evolved. It's really a sonic, lounge, sonic soundscape, so to speak. There's a lot going on. It's a very rich sound. So talk to me about how this sound came about and just how you feel about the the way this album sounds. Well, I listen to a lot of, like, indie rock and, like, progressive rock and um, also, you know, like, jazz groups as well, the fusion stuff. So when I was writing it, it was uh, a couple of the songs were, in my mind, like, being written for smaller ensembles. So, and then I just kind of wanted to expand on that to see if I could. So it's sort of like, I mean... If you think of, you know, like music that's like rich with synthesizers and stuff like that, I kind of wanted to capture the same sound, but with, you know, real instruments. So create like really like lush and dense sounding music that would usually be written for like a smaller group, but, you know, just like 
like layered with synthesizers. I wanted that to be like this wall of sound coming at you with real instruments. You know, it's interesting you mentioned the whole indie scene. I was kind of talking to my brother the other day about the VMAs and just kind of in general. And I didn't watch it, but I usually have a pretty good beat on who's going to be kind of the big profiled artists. And even with the Grammys and whatnot, the thing that always Mm -hmm. gets me is that there is so much going on in the indie scene. There's so much going on in the jazz scene. So many envelopes are perpetually pushed to the edge. And Mm -hmm. I just... It sounds to me that more people aren't kind of hopping on to this new, I, I don't know, all of these new sounds and everything that's going on. How do you feel about that as an artist that's obviously been influenced by such an influx of great musicians in the indie scene and being part of kind of a niche, so to speak, with jazz? How do you feel about being a recording artist, putting material out there for the masses? Well, hopefully, like, pretty optimistic, I guess, uh, most of the time. I mean, speaking of the VMAs, I kind of think, like, Beyonce's last album was, like, this sort of like an alternative like fusion blend, which was kind of like really exciting just because it was so far away from like other stuff that she's done before. So just like speaking of like larger artists in general, I'm kind of just hoping that we're sort of like coming back to, I don't know, sounds that aren't just so manufactured and like used by everyone. I feel good about like where music is going because I think we've been like pigeonholed in like just really kind of like bland pop music forever at least it feels like forever and hopefully people are getting kind of bored of that so when I'm doing my own thing like I feel good about my career um I don't think I'm going to be as famous as Beyonce someday but I don't really aspire to that so I enjoy my audience my audience enjoys the music that I'm putting out you know I think that I have I have fan bases that you know stretch beyond the United States obviously like in in Europe especially um there's sort of like a huge movement with like progressive big bands like lots of people have these big bands that play like techno house music also and like do sort of like indie rock stuff and I'm really just sort of trying to like you know break the genre mold which I like because I think big band has a really negative connotation uh you know associated with with that term it just sounds like jazz and that's really I'm not just like a jazz musician I mean I'm trained but you know the music that I'm making is not in my opinion just like jazz at all it's like such a blend of different things and I think that's Lots of groups are doing that, so I think you know, at the end of the, I mean, like the end of the road, like everybody's everybody's making fusion music, and that's where it's going to wind up inevitably. Well, and I think that's good. I think the masses are going to get involved. I mean, David Bowie's final album was essentially a jazz album, but it was also a mix of rock and other elements that went into it. So right, of course, most people like wanted to call it jazz right away just because it was like different from what he did as like a pop artist, which I thought was funny. It's like no, this isn't really jazz, like. There are jazz musicians like playing David Bowie's music. That's why it sounds different, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Let me ask you this. Do you think this advent of social media and easy access to the web has helped musicians like you and Indie Acts to not only break through in the United States and get a better, a wider audience, but even Europe, who's very thirsty for quality music that the mm-hmm. States puts out? Definitely. Yeah, I mean, I'm. it's... Like, I get out of it what I put into it. You know, I feel like if I'm really spending a lot of time promoting myself and just, like, reaching out to people, like, I'm always just trying to figure out, like, you know, where the scene is, you know, like, what would be, where is the cool place I want to play? Like, what's going on there? Like, you know, what what draws me to that? Like, what have I heard about going on in certain places? And so I just, like, I gravitate towards that and I, you know, put my sounds out there. I mean, I just, like, send my stuff everywhere and sort of hope for the best. So I definitely think that social media has really helped with that because you can access everything if you want. I mean, like, you know, you just have to 
decide what you're looking for, and then you can find it. So, yes. <laughs> right on. So let me let me get into a little bit more of who you are and where you came from and where you're going kind of a thing. So mm-hmm. where were you born and raised? Well, I was born in Maryland, but my dad was Navy. He was in the Navy music program. Um, so we moved almost every year of my life. And, um, yeah, so I didn't really settle down until I got to New York six years ago. But I moved, like, all over the globe before then. How did that enhance you and your love of music? Well, my par- I mean, I grew up with two parents that are classical musicians. So, obviously, I grew up, like, listening to a lot of classical music and, like, spending all of my free time, like, at concerts. And I also played piano and French horn before I started singing and composing. So, um, I was affected by, like, my whole world <laughs> moving and, you know, getting to see just, like, you know, what people are doing in different places, especially getting to grow up and, like, play with tons of musicians at such a young age. Also, like, you know, like, world-class musicians, um, you know, being in, like, youth symphonies and stuff like that and, like, getting to, you know, watch my parents perform and all of that good stuff. Um, just, like, learning to adapt and, like, figure out what's going on culturally and musically in a bunch of different places. Definitely, like, I guess, you know, like, I can't, like, think of any particular things that have, like, affected the way that I write music, but, like, all collectively it has affected the way that I approach music because I've come from so many different places. So since we're more, you know, our show is obviously jazz-oriented, let me ask you this. When you were growing up, what jazz album did you listen to that really kind of was like, wow, I, I got it, this is great? Oh, my God. Um, well, uh, outside of, like, listening to only classical music and, like, classic rock, um, I think it was, like, in middle school I heard that Ella and Louie album, their, like, duo album, and I just, like, I thought her voice was so amazing. I just, like, hadn't heard anything like that before. And my parents didn't really listen to a lot of jazz. Like, that just wasn't happening. So I remember just, like, li- like finding everything I could about Ella Fitzgerald online and just, like, downloading, like, all of her records on iTunes. Yeah, and just, like, being so enamored with that and then finding out about, like, Peggy Lee and uh, Sarah Vaughn. Just, like, being so into that. And then I just, like, went and auditioned for the jazz band. Um, not even until I was in high school. And I got in. My parents were like, you want to do jazz? Like, they didn't really get it. Um, but now they get it. So it's fine. <laughs> When you were growing up, was there always the dream of being a singer and being in music, or did you have other aspirations of how you thought your life was going to turn out? Well, I've always been, like, extremely artistically inclined, not to sound, like, so stuck up. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I did. I mean, I was also, like, in musical theater from, like, a very young age all the way up until the end of high school and finally burnt out with that. I knew that I would always be doing something musical i also like draw and i like did that very seriously for a long time got some like scholarships to go to school and then um i definitely like went away from it for a while just for like a a year i was actually at a different college because i thought that maybe it wasn't the right idea also like i grew up with a musical family and you know i was feeling all sorts of pressure and i was getting really serious about you know playing french horn as well and i was kind of just like pulled a bunch of different directions but i knew like especially during that year while i was studying other things i that's when it became like extremely clear that like the only thing that I wanted to do was music and I needed to be singing and I needed to be somewhere that, you know, catered to my aspirations. And so I just, I, the only school I applied to was new school after that. And I got in and came and the rest is history. And then you got your degree in vocal music. So let me ask you this. What did you learn at the new school? Obviously the world is the best classroom to get involved with and you learn so much out there, but in a formal construct, especially with the focus that America has on jazz studies programs. What did you get out of your education? So, like, I I'd only had, like, classical, like, theory and ear training up until that point, so, like, having jazz music theory 
was really helpful. There were just like some things that I needed, like, you know, to expand on my foundation as a musician. But it wasn't, I guess, like probably later, later uh, my time spent there, like my last year or so, getting to work with people like Janera Bloom and like Ingrid Jensen and stuff like that. Just about being, learning about being a better band leader and like not not just organizing people, but, you know, like being in command of your music and like being in charge of it and being confident about it. I mean, as silly as that sounds, but it's like having conversations with those people and just like learning to hone your craft and like be very responsible for it was something that wasn't like made clear in the other classes that are so specifically about, you know, one thing, like just technical aspects. You know, you can like sit and practice and be in a room forever and, like, never play with other people the entire time you're in school. Like, I mean, there are so many people that do do that. And, you know, just, like, forcing yourself to get out of your comfort zone and, like, do other things, you know. It's just, like, so many people are just like, well, I'm not ready yet. Like, I'm not ready to write music. I'm not ready to play with other people. I'm not ready to, to book a gig or whatever. And, like, obviously, you know, there's a trajectory, so you have to start somewhere. But, yeah, I mean, like, just like them, they're like, yeah, just do it. Like, I mean... Like, even if it sucks the first time, like, I mean, it probably will, realistically, because you don't know what you're doing. You know, you just have to keep doing it over and over again. So that, I mean, I really pushed myself. You know, I came in there and just, like, I wanted to write music and, like, you know, I wanted to be performing to other people. So I would just, like, you know, book these sessions for myself and, like, just play jazz standards or whatever I had written, like, in the meantime, just so I could, like, start playing with other people and then you know I like made my first band and booked my first set of gigs and just like you know took every opportunity I could because I just wanted to be out there and be performing so I mean I guess it's just like learning to take responsibility for your craft and just like own it even even when it's bad that's what I learned (laughs) at the new school but I can't imagine that living in New York City would be any other way I mean you're jumping into the world's stage of jazz and that has to be the ultimate cauldron of not only creativity but of, of you know just jazz and, and the world today is in New York so I'm sure that would have had to have helped of course I mean I think you'd be surprised like music school is it's not for everybody and you know some people figure that out right away some people don't figure that out until the end you know and then some people you know finish their degree and then they just leave because it is it's hard to live here and it's it's almost impossible to make a living and you really have to just be pushing yourself because like there are so many other people trying to do similar things. You know, not everyone has a progressive rock big band, obviously, but uh, you know, people are, are working hard and they want the same thing and they want to be successful. And it's not, you know, it's not just about making money. It's about being a musician and making music. So it can get, it can feel really overwhelming. And I think everybody still deals with that to a certain extent, but especially being in school, you know, you're being told to do so many different things, especially when you're in a jazz program. It's like, this is what you do to make this better. This is what you do to make that better. And I think that that can really get to people. Um, And, you know, some people would like really kind of like isolate themselves and like wouldn't really perform with others. Or, you know, they would just, they would decide like something isn't for them because they're not like latching onto it right away. Because for some people it's really easy. And for some people, like they struggle with certain areas. So, and that's that's hard because you think that it's like, oh, it's music. Like, I love music. This is what I want to be doing. And then somebody will get to a class and they're just, like, struggling with, like, rhythm technique or something, you know. And it's like you can feel extremely discouraged because it's like you've grown up your whole life loving this one thing, thinking you want to do this one thing. And I don't know. I mean, so, I mean, I would see a lot of people shut down and they were like, I was, I managed to stay, like, really optimistic all through school. I was like, yeah, like, I'm just going to crush it. And then, like, the first year out, it, you know, it wasn't, like, super spectacular, but then, like, the second year out when I started, like, working on the big band stuff, like, things, you know, just all kind of, like, fell into place. But it just it just takes time. Like, everybody gets there 
at their own their own pace, you know. Speaking of everything coming together, you won the uh, you were the winner of the Herb Alfred Young Jazz Composers Award. That had to be a big moment for you. It was nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What kind of doors did it open up for you? I I think it just gave me like I it opened my eyes to like another community of jazz musicians that I wasn't really aware of before, especially like in the big band community in in New York, just because I was kind of like playing in a rock band and like I still do like sing in other people's groups and I have other projects going on. But yeah, it was just, it was nice. It was like, it was perfect timing, like the right amount of encouragement. It was everything that I needed in that moment to like keep me working on this project. I, I don't know if I would have kept going. Like I'm so, so surprised sometimes that like this has worked out because like it's, it's, it is a big undertaking. And then anybody that has a large group would tell you the same thing. Like you have to be extremely dedicated to it. And, you know, in the beginning, it requires so much upkeep, like getting a project like that off the ground is like almost impossible, you know, and people don't do it all the time. And I really like we play almost once a month, sometimes more, you know, we've managed to like go out of state and it's just like wrangling 22 bodies is a lot. But with ASCAP, you know, it was it was just nice. To, I felt like like I was being supported, you know, and they have all these like wonderful awards that they give to young composers and they're extremely supportive of that. And they, they like to celebrate new work like the Phoebe Jacobs prize, which is like a similar thing um, that they also give out. And like, that was good. It made me like, it like reaffirmed what I was doing. And now I think I, if I reapplied, I probably wouldn't get it because I'm far less jazzy, but, um, but you know, I still, I still like, appreciate it for, for what it is. I respect that award for what it is and for what it does for young composers. You did mention Ella in the beginning, but let me ask you generically, what who would you consider some of your not only jazz but music heroes? I don't know. It just it, <laughs> it depends. Well, I love listening to Nat King Cole still. Billy Strayhorn is one of my favorite composers. You know, like I can still listen to that stuff and love it to this day. Like I don't sing jazz too often. Like sometimes I'll have like a, a standards gig like here and there, like once in a great while. Um, but I always gravitate towards you know, his music, composers that I love. I mean, well, I mean, people always are, I think people are always fishing for me to say that I like a big band composer. <laughs> and I honestly don't know if I have a favorite big band composer, to be completely honest with you. I'm sure once I hang up the phone, I'll like think of something and I'll think of a much better answer to that question. No, that's good. So let me ask you this. This is going to whittle things down a little bit here. If you could get into that jazz DeLorean time machine, so to speak, and go back in time and see somebody live, who would you see and where would you go, what year, that kind of a thing? Oh, my God. There are, like, too many options. Oh, God. I don't know. I mean, obviously, I would love to see, like, Frank in his heyday because, like, who wouldn't want to see that? Also, same with Ella Fitzgerald. I would love to see, like, a younger Ella Fitzgerald, like, right in her prime. I don't think, like, anybody would say anything different. I don't know. Like, I'd want to see the grades because... You know, by the time I was born, like, they were dead or dying. Sorry to be so dark, but, yeah. <laughs> oh, no. No, I, I, that's, it's the truth. So yeah. let me ask you this. A generic, general thing. I know, and, and this is because we're, we're focused on the jazz more than anything else around here. Mm -hmm. Why do you love jazz? I mean, it's America's music. I don't know. I think it's the American Songbook is, like, it's, like, one of the greatest things that has come out of the United States musically, like, Ever, you know, I mean, like we've built an educational system like around just that. I think that's pretty amazing. Um, you know, you can go to school and like, I mean, there's so much to learn beyond that, obviously, but it's like these songs like started a, an enormous movement. Like, I mean, look at how, look how far everything has come. Like jazz music is everything. I mean, you could argue that like everything comes from jazz. I mean, obviously everything comes from classical music as well, but it's just like, it's impressive and, 
um, jazz musicians are so uh, like in tune with themselves, like, you know, intellectually and creatively, you know, it's like knowing music, understanding music, and then like adding something else to that, especially with like improvisation and stuff like that. It's just, that doesn't really happen in classical music. It's like, how perfect can I be? Jazz music is like, how can I, how can I make this mine? How can I change this? Like what else can be said about this one thing? Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes total sense. What's one of the nicest things that you've ever been told about your music? That's really loud. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> the nicest things I've ever been told about my music. I don't know. I just like people comparing me to other people that I really like. That's always extremely kind. Or that just, or that like I'm, I'm changing the way that they're thinking about jazz, which is what I hope to accomplish. You know, that like jazz music doesn't have to be one thing. Big band doesn't have to be one thing. Nothing has to be one thing. It can be many things. Absolutely. Well, speaking of things happening in the future, Ten years down the line, let's say we talk and we catch up with what you're doing, and I ask you what's been going on lately. What are you going to want to tell me? Yeah, no, that I'm I'm still making music, and on my terms, I'm hopefully I'll have some like bigger recording projects under my belt. You know, I want to work with like orchestras and stuff like that. That would be amazing. And that I'm just like you know playing constantly. That's what I love to do. I'm like I'm really. I mean, like the studio is great, but like nothing is better than like playing live shows. So I want to be playing, like, bigger and bigger shows for the rest of my life, tour until I can't walk anymore, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> Perfect. So let me ask you this. Everybody has a version of who you are, your family, your friends, those in the business world that you deal with. But who do you think you are? When you wake up, you face the world, you go about your business, who are you? I'm just a hardworking loner, kind of. <laughs> like, I'm obviously, I you know, I, I have friends and, like, people I work with, and, like, I love making music with lots of people all the time. But, like, when it comes to my art and my craft and, like, who I am, like, it's a very solitary thing. You know, I don't, like, seek outside assistance when it comes to, like, writing and arranging and stuff. And I, you know, like, I live, I can, like, totally just escape into that world of just, like, writing music. I can, you know, I'll sit down and start writing something and, like, eight hours will pass and I won't even notice. I'm just living in my head <laughs> sometimes. Very cool. Anyway. Yeah, um, no, that's cool. Daydreamer, I guess. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I like that answer. Sarah, I think that's it. I, I appreciate That's a great note, actually, to end on. And I appreciate your time. I appreciate the music. And good luck with everything. Thank you so much. I'm so glad that we could, we could talk. This was great. Thanks for listening and tuning in to yet another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players in New York, Kansas City, and spots all over the world, giving fans all that jazz. And thanks to Sarah for her time, her stories, and her honesty. If you want to hear more interviews, go to Famous Interviews with Joe Domino on the iTunes Store or visit the Neon Jazz YouTube channel at youtube.com slash user slash neonjazzkc. And you can always visit the Neon Jazz at the neonjazz.blogspot.com for all things Neon Jazz. Until next time, enjoy the music, my friends. Neon Jazz.